On this episode of The Popcorn Diet, we are back in theaters and back in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That's right. We saw Black Widow in the theaters. Get your popcorn ready. You don't know everything about me. The Avengers weren't my first family. At some point, we all have to choose between what the world wants you to be and who you are. Good movies, buddies, to the Popcorn Diet, a podcast for those who live on a steady diet of movie, theater, popcorn, and other delicious movie snacks. As always, my name is Rick Williams, and your very best good movie buddy. And joining us as usual is our other good movie buddy, the Canadian Machine, Mr. David Malhorn. David, how you doing today? Doing great. I feel like we've been saying this for a bit, but. I kind of feel like I'm officially back to normal when it comes to movies in the sense that every week there's a movie to see. I've gotten to that point where I've seen enough consecutive weeks of movies that like, it's just part of the routine again. Yes, and It's easy to kind of, and it's a good thing, but it's easy to kind of take for granted that we went through a stretch there of not having it. But uh, I officially feel like I'm back into the swing. I allowed my AMC A-list to renew yep same now i can go see three movies a week for no cost or well for 20 bucks a month but yeah for 30 30 bucks a month i think mine's 20 bucks i thought but we'll find find out i suppose (laughs) i got a great surprise in that i inexplicably was given like sixty five thousand amc points which means i have like three hundred dollars worth of amc reward box i don't care for that i definitely i definitely didn't earn so that was a pleasant surprise so you know i'm i'm just riding a great high we had a we unfortunately didn't podcast about it last week but i got a steven soderbergh heist film which come on that's that's my niche like we did yeah that's that's my thing yeah we we uh, we're in this busy time right now where you the Suns. we talked about in our last episode where the Suns are in a playoff run. The Suns are in the NBA finals. Your wife is a, 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 a news producer for the local channel that is airing the finals. So she's, I think she's in Milwaukee right now, right? She is. She is. So, so you've had the kids, but we, we, we had to carve out an opportunity to, to return back to our bread and butter <laughs> to, to, <laughs> I don't want I don't want to give it too much credit, but like, listen, man, you know, movies are back when there's a Marvel movie that's out. Right. You know, and, and we just had to we just had to go in and we had to come back to talk about Black Widow. And and I was really excited. Um, you know, what was really funny is that I did not put together my viewing experience. My sister, good friend of the podcast, Leah Theodosis, she is the one who put it together with a couple of our friends, her brother in law or her husband my brother-in-law matt um also good friend of the podcast and when she first asked us about it she said do you guys want to go see a movie at tempe marketplace but then when she confirmed and was like okay here's the plan 
she switched it to AZ Mills because AZ Mills now has a Cine One. This is going to be, I apologize to anybody who doesn't live in Arizona. Harkins is one of our favorite local movie theater chains, and they have like one of their big screen, their luxury screen is the Cine One. And so I did not clock that change. And so I actually showed up at the wrong movie theater about 25 minutes before the movie. And I'm just hanging out. I'm just hanging out outside. She texts me and says, hey, we're walking up. And I'm looking around. Don't see her. I said, "Okay, I'm by the fountain. And she calls me and she's like, what fountain? Where are you? And I had like 15 minutes to get from Tempe Marketplace. No, was it 15? I want to say 12. 12 minutes to get from Tempe Marketplace to AZ Mills. 12 and previews, though. So. And previews and previews. I did you, it in You eight. had like a half hour. I did. <laughs> I did it in eight. I had enough time to stop at the concession stand, get myself a couple bottles of water, use the restroom, as I'm known to do. And I only missed one preview, and it was for Snake Eyes, so I pretty much missed nothing. And I was I was very proud of that. But I will say I also did not get up from my seat at one point during the movie, which, you know, for me, that's impressive. It's very impressive. It's very rare. So let's set it up. This is Black Widow. And we'll we'll probably talk about this. I I, at least I want to mention it and see, get your thoughts on it. But this is a movie that is set between Captain America Civil War and Infinity War. This fills in that gap from when you see Natasha basically tell off Tony Stark and Tony Stark say like, Oh, you know, they're coming from you for you. And then us seeing the essentially the secret Avengers with Captain America, Falcon and her saving Wanda and vision in infinity war. This fills in that gap. Mm-hmm. Right. It, 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 it explores Natasha Romanoff's origin morals, what drives her. And it just answers all those questions. So, David, I want to give you a question first and foremost before we talk about it. It's it's not on the outline. This is a new one. This is one I'm just pulling out here, right? Why didn't they just make this movie five years ago? Well, first and foremost, if you're if you're looking for a definite answer, I'm the wrong person to go to. But <laughs> In your opinion, if you could, if you could, if you could speculate, if you could pontificate for a little bit. So I think there's a couple of reasons. So first and foremost, it was 100% the Infinity War saga and nothing else. I felt like for that stretch, like I would imagine it's kind of like. It's kind of like running a marathon and I know you haven't run a marathon, but like, (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, I'm taking strays. I'm I'm catching strays this early. I've run a color run before David. You have. So, so let's, let's use your color run or for, for people who run a little bit more, think of a marathon. Um, You get going into this, this, process this race and you know where the finish line is right which was thanos infinity stones infinity war all that good stuff and you get into kind of the meat of it like the middle of that point that part where like 
the adrenaline has worn off. It's no longer like, woohoo, let's go race. Like I'm excited for this. And it gets in the point where it's like, I'm tired. <laughs> this is, is this over yet? When is this going to end? And not necessarily in a negative, like, I hate this, but in a, like, I'm ready to be done. Like, this is great. I enjoy doing this, but like, I want to get to the finish line. And I think that to some degree, I think probably was where Marvel was kind of at, at this point, when you got into like that third phase, because it's like, we've been building up to this for quite a long time. And, and like, why would we, you know, as, as things are becoming so dire, like, let's keep our eye on the prize. Let's not have too many diversions. Well, and also to that point, like, did we have to have this Black Widow movie? Like, is it essential to the overall storyline? No. And so when you know that you've got this ticking time bomb, and I think some of this might also be contractually what people were signed on. Like if you sign ScarJo for six movies and you count up the movies that you've got planned and six puts you at Infinity War right? or you know, Endgame, then you're not going to throw a Black Widow movie in there and now have to renegotiate to get her to be in Infinity War and risk something breaking down there. And so you're just going to go full speed ahead, try to do this while you've had the good fortune of keeping all your actors around and happy and get to that finish line. And now that we finished, you can kind of come back to ScarJo and be like, listen, we'd love to, you know, do a movie focused on you. Your character obviously is not going to be around for the long run because we've already killed you off in essence. <laughs> <laughs> and let's do something to really explore and honor the character that you played for so long. And I think that's a easier sell than like, Hey, we're going to split off and do this and risk that. Like, you know, cause I think when you highlight a single character, there's people are so invested in the characters that they played. Right. To do a full movie. If you don't do that right in the eyes of the actor, mm -hmm. like there's a chance for them to be like, screw you. Like, I think you mishandled my movie about me and like you know there's just a i think there's just a lot there wasn't a lot to gain yeah to doing it back then i think there there's was I think potentially there's less, a lot to lose i think there's less of a chance of that happening now in in the marvel industrial movie complex but i do think you're on to something when you talked about the fact that i i don't sloppily i do not have the mcu list up in front of me but i'm gonna pull it up um I do think you're onto something when you say that, you know, we're at the tail end of this infinity saga, everything that happens basically post civil war matters, right? Like you yeah. get Dr. Strange. That's where you learn about the time stone. You get guardians of the galaxy volume two, you get Ragnarok, like black Panther, like they're they all really connect in a way that this exact movie would have a very hard time existing in between any of those because they were on the steady march towards the end game pun fully intended. And Black Widow really does seem more like a side quest. It actually feels 
a lot like the MCU movies or the MCU shows that have been out in yeah. that they're these, these side quests, right? But that's where I think that maybe we're a little wrong because this is a movie. And I think that we will know how it is affecting the wider universe more later on. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, because this is a movie, because of strategically where they placed it, I think all of us assume, and the stinger plays a part in this, and we're not quite into spoilers yet, but no. the stinger plays a part of this. It's obvious that this is setting up things that we're still yet to get, you know, similar to Falcon and Winter Soldier. It's not like we're getting... Um, it's not like we're getting like the mysticism and the dimensions and that that's present in a lot of what's yeah. been at central theme, but we're, we're, we're not also... getting the, the, the otherworldly stuff. We're not. And, and we'll talk about this once we wrap this point up, we're not needing or getting the super heroic style Avengers level event, as they say in Spider-Man far from home. That being said, I would argue that this movie swims in that pool of like the special effects, where it goes from a like set pieces and things like that is on the level of a lot of those Avenger level, not Avengers movies, but like the Captain America's right. those ones. Like there's some pretty, pretty massive sets. Oh yeah, in this movie, big, big are... set pieces, big action. Um, but at the same and... time, it doesn't require even as big as the action is. It's it's, God, it's so funny, because you always wonder. You even did this when you were a comic book reader, which because Black Widow would have her own series and Iron Man would have his own series, and everybody has their own series, right? But mm -hmm. like if they exist in this wider universe and they did in comic books and you could always just break the machine. If you just demanded and said like, why doesn't Thor show up and help? Because this, if Thor was in this movie, we're not having any problems like whatsoever. Like if you had somebody with a, like a, a modicum of superpowers, this movie is actually very easy to overcome, but we don't, we have black widow who is very cunning and very skilled and one of the top super spies in the world. Right. And so that's what I mean. What I mean is to say as, as big as the, some of the set pieces do get, and then you get pretty darn big. It's one of those movies that you can still feel the scale and the stakes are just sure. a little bit lower. Sure. Absolutely. Um, and so that kind of leads me into the next question, which is, and, and again, I kind of said this, like, not to get into the semantics of what is or is not a superhero movie, right? Because a superhero movie isn't always always exclusively dedicated to super powered beings, right? Superhero movies are kind of, you know, Batman is a superhero movie, even though he's just a normal guy in a bat suit. Iron Man is a superhero movie, even though he's a, just another rich guy in, in a suit. Superman, obviously superhero movie. The Flash, obviously superhero movie. Thor, superpowers, things like that, right? Black Widow, I would argue, and I want to know your opinion on this, has way more in common with Bourne, Bond, and Mission Impossible than it does say with 
it's Thor or even Spider-Man or, or those other superhero movies. What do you think about that? Yes, I would probably lean more towards Batman in the sense that, or, or maybe even James Bond, um, because there's still the, the tech, there's still some of the stuff we're led to believe, you know, they're able to do. And, you know, there's still some aspects while ScarJo doesn't have, you know, and, and, and Black Widow doesn't have any like injections or like things that have been done to, you know, she hasn't been modified to that degree. Right. There are characters within this movie that have. Sure. Um, both on the good side and the bad side. And so I think because of that, it still feels a little bit more like a Batman or maybe like a Bond movie than necessarily a Bourne where like obviously Bourne they were all like trained and brainwashed and and certain things were done to them but like this one there's definitely some similarities to it definitely in the the sense of you know the red room and some of the things that are talked about within there definitely have some call of acts and some similarities to some of the stuff with like the training program and born. And so I definitely see the comparison, but I still think there's a lot of technological leaps that listen, like this movie technically takes place in, uh, let's see, in the cinematic universe, it would be in like 2015, I think is, is the date we're led to believe in between 2015 and 2016. There's a lot of things that we know for a fact having lived through those years do not exist right. in in those years. And so from that standpoint, that's where I always go to a little bit where like we're going up a level. But yeah, sure. I, I think from the standpoint of like what we've grown to expect from Marvel movies, like this is this is definitely the most down-to-earth one, even more so than I think before this, it would probably be Captain America. Um movies that sure. would probably be the closest because all we we had the super serum and we had you know obviously some some things on that level yeah but. iron man iron man has always been mostly tech yep you know but but you're right where there are a couple of super powered beings in the movie you know we see from the trailer we have red guardian we have russia's counterpart to captain america mm -hmm. who is a super soldier mm -hmm. um and we have taskmaster Task master, task, task, master. task master. I'm going to screw that up plenty of times. I look um, forward to it. Real problem with my T's and my K's, apparently, um, who is enhanced. But mm -hmm. other than that, you're just talking about really highly skilled super spies and scientists doing things that you would expect to see in a James Bond movie. Maybe not a Bourne movie, although shit man even like the born legacy had them screwing with genetics to make you know super sure. soldiers so so here you know to hear about you know things like pheromones or mind control like yeah okay they even reference this is not really a spoiler i guess it's kind of an easter egg inexplicably the bond movie that they reference is moonraker they actually are watching Moonraker on the television, which is incredible to me because a lot of people, a lot of, uh, that's what I'm looking for, a lot of uh, 
educated people, I suppose, would say that Moonraker is one of the worst Bond movies. But I remember as a kid, like you put James Bond in space, I'm I'm in, you know, like I don't care. Let's let's go, let's do it. So I think it's really funny that Moonraker got the drop here. But there's there's times where this movie invokes born mm-hmm. plenty of times. Uh, there's times when this movie evokes invokes Mission Impossible. Uh, and and there's times when this movie invokes Marvel. And I really liked that. You know, I, I thought that was I thought it made for a really kind of fun globe trotting espionage type movie. Uh, yeah. And I was and I was super into it. Um, I, I think I, the I think ahead. the thing that's coming coming true in this phase, and this is where I think it fully fits into what this phase is, is I think the cool part about it is it feels like, and I'm sure the cynics will disagree with this, but like it feels like Marvel is reinventing themselves a little bit in sure. the sense that like I feel like for phases the initial phases of Marvel, every movie had kind of similar paths to them to some degree. Yeah. Like everything felt kind of cohesive and similar in different ways. Even when you went to space and it got a little bit weirder or, you know, you had Thor and, and you got, and you got know, a lot so weirder, you got a lot <laughs> weirder, but like, to me, it all still felt kind of a part of it, especially once you move past, I would say the first four movies, um, it it kind of felt like they were playing somewhat of the same note. And some of that had to do with the Soul Stones kind of connecting all the way through. Um, but now I feel like we really have moved into like very different types of things that we're doing, whether it be WandaVision, whether it be right. Loki, um, whether it be, you know, there's a lot of, different directions that we're doing in different types of movies, you know, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, well, they kind of break it. You know, it's funny. I, I get what you're saying. When we've talked about this before, where they're playing in these different genres, these different arenas. And it's funny because Bucky kind of nails it um, when he's or uh, I think it's Sam, uh, new Captain America nails it when he says the big three, which I think is aliens androids and wizards mm-hmm. right that is purpose per- perfectly encapsulates what we've been talking about aliens represent the galaxy outer space right androids represent tech technology kind of closer to real world science-based stuff and then wizards represent all of the mysticism and the reality type you know um kind of stuff you know and so we we get a little bit of that kind of crossing over here and there where WandaVision was almost totally wizards Falcon and the Winter Soldier was kind of mostly science and mostly technology and Loki is kind of a combination of both you know aliens and androids in in some respects but you know you look at you look at phase four and you could probably start you know separating them off you know, where you got Black Widow is is science and technology. Shang-Chi seems like wizards and mysticism. Eternals definitely seems like space, you know, and and 
I think you're right. Like, I think they are like scaling these things to a certain degree and, and weaving these webs that will eventually come back together at some point. They have to in some way, shape or form, you know? Yep. Um, yeah. And, and I'm, I mean, obviously I'm here for it. Like I really enjoyed the movie. Uh, yeah. I, I really had a great time with it. You know, it was funny, man. I was listening to another podcast and there are some people who watch this movie because it's a Marvel movie and maybe don't like it as much because it's not as marvel right? Yeah. And there are other people who watch this movie as a Marvel movie, but they don't give it the credit just because it's a Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. Like I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts whose name shall be remain nameless, but they were actually having a conversation about some of their friends who like spy espionage movies wouldn't give a crap about black widow just because it's Marvel. And I was curious as to what your thoughts about it are, because on one hand, I think that's really unreasonable. I think it's really unreasonable to discount the ability, uh, the storytelling ability of, of a giant corporation or, or a giant, you know, like I said, the, the MCU, just because it's part of big part of this big universe and part of this big conglomerate machine, And yet at the same time, I can also see the argument of like, well, I don't want to have to get into all that, you know, Mickey Mouse bullshit just to watch a good spy movie. So I'm kind of wondering what your thought is on that, because I've said it before, like, I I don't think it's fair to discount a pretty good movie just because it's a Marvel movie. And I think that happens a lot. Wait, are you referring in any way to elite actor Stephen Dorff? bashing black widow before he even saw it no but it's the same (laughs) but it's the but it's the same it's the same thought process number one my guy steven dorf (laughs) dude all that i one of my one of my core principles in my life is to try and be real about who i am and what I've done and and try not to let that get in my way. You know, be, be, be real with yourself, okay? And my guy, Steven Dorf, I'm not going to pull up your filmography, but I <laughs> it's could. Rough. It's rough. I could, all right? And also, I, again, don't play yourself. Be real. The, the only rational reason for it would be He's trying to appeal to Scorsese to to be in his next film. Like Scorsese, I'm with you. I'm with you on this. Apparently, not real movies. Apparently, he was really good in um, Sofia Coppola's movie Somewhere. Uh, Mm. I've heard I've heard good things. I've heard that's one of her underrated gems. I always liked Stephen Dorff. I never had a big issue with him. He's not by any means like a great actor, but like (laughs) when he showed up in that like. what was that movie? It wasn't Smoking Aces, but it was like Deuces Wild. Deuces I was wild. like, screw it, Stephen Dorff. Let's go, man. Like, I'll try. I'll check it out. But you were in the, alone in the dark, dude. You were in the worst video game movie ever made. <laughs> you were in Bucky Larson, Born to Be a Star, my guy. Yep. Like, you don't get to, I did pull up his, his freaking his filmography because... No. And I joke about him because I thought it was ridiculous, especially when you look at what he it's it's one thing if like an actual actor with some street cred, but you're Steven Dorf, like have some self-awareness here. 
Like but, you, were, uh, you were in a movie that made like I don't know how much money it made, but you were in a movie called American Hero with Eddie Griffin. <laughs> like yeah. I don't yeah. I don't know. But again, why do we have like I just don't get it, dude. I don't get it. And and you know me, I've turned into a fairly progressive person who isn't doesn't bow at the whim of gigantic corporations as easily anymore. Mm. But like, I love Marvel, man. I, I don't, I, I just don't get it. I don't get why people discount it just because it's Marvel. Well, and the only reason I probably don't get as worked up as you do about it is well, that anything <laughs> is that, listen, it's killing it in the box office. People are seeing this movie. Right. Scoreboard. It's yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, fine, whatever you, you want to choose to be unhappy about another thing in your life. Then, then fine. Plenty of people are enjoying this movie. Plenty of people are seeing this movie. I think even from, you know, a standpoint of, you know, Rotten Tomatoes, I think it's it's doing all right, if I remember right. I haven't looked at it. It's 80% still on Rotten Tomatoes. Like, it's just one of those things where the noisy people are the ones that people gravitate to, yeah. and the negative is what people gravitate to. And so, you know, I think it's easy to, especially when you liked something and right. then you see people bashing it, it's easy to get worked up when it's really like, just go find all the people that are loving it and how it's crushing. I love how when you read, I think it might even be on its wiki page. It talks about how it, uh, it smashed pan post pandemic box office records. I'm like, are we, are, are we really going to have like, quote unquote, like, post-pandemic box office records like we're gonna have that as a point in time where like yeah. all other things are measured but you know i guess it makes sense since we're gonna shift a lot towards the streaming world and that but that uh yeah i mean it's to to kind of wrap up hope you know probably non-spoilers i really liked it and you know i think you can see that in the box office numbers that people like it rotten yeah. tomatoes it scores well like there's definitely some people that have been noisy about disliking it or even like rating it lower simply because it's a marvel movie but you know what whatever like if you like marvel movies i think you'll really enjoy it yeah it's the same like you know we didn't even really get to talk about the 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 performances but like everybody does great work. You know, ScarJo's really good. She's always been really good. David Harbour's playing the movie really broad, but really funny. And our guy, Ray Winstone, shows up basically playing Mr. French, but if he had, like, billions of dollars. <laughs> and Florence Pugh just wipes the floor with everybody. Yeah. I, I don't know. You know, you, I mean, you just said it yourself. I tend to get a little more hyperbolic about things. I tend to get a little more excitable about things. Mm -hmm. But like Florence Pugh is a super duper duper star. Like she is charisma in, in a human form. Yeah. She is just funny and witty and you want to hang out with her and she nails her dramatic scenes and she can throw, she's done the training. She's got the physicality for it. Like she, and I know every, every movie that comes out with Florence Pugh, people are like, Oh, that Florence Pugh, she's going to be a super duper movie star. Well, I think we're there. 
you know, like yeah. I think I think when we saw the real time, you want to talk about heist for a second. We saw the real time heist of this movie from Scarlett Johansson by Florence Pugh. It's just great. It's great time. Awesome time. Had a blast with it. Yeah. Well, and I think to some degree, like this is no knock on ScarJo at all. I think ScarJo was fantastic at playing the role that she was given. Like to me, like of course, Florence, of course, Florence Pugh is like someone that is memorable. That like you can really build a character that's going to like people are going to be like my favorite character in this movie is her. Like right. I think she's got an opportunity to obviously she's already a star like there's no like she's going to turn into a star but like I think from a character standpoint there's a whole lot more like to build on with her than like what we had in ScarJo like don't get me wrong this is a fantastic movie but in my opinion she steals it from (laughs) she steals this movie from uh from ScarJo like I did not walk out of that movie thinking about ScarJo at all. <laughs> I was thinking about Florence Pugh yeah. and being excited for the fact that I know she's already, she's in the Hawkeye series, um, but hoping that we'll see her in even more than that. Oh which yeah, is man. Exciting. It's going to be great. And, and that, I mean, is, I mean, that's right on the, 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 the lip of spoilers. So I think now would be a good time to give our popcorn ratings for Black Widow. What's that noise? Popcorn. You making popcorn? Uh-huh. I only eat popcorn at the movies. For those of you who've never listened to an episode before, we don't give our movies thumbs up or stars. We give them a, a rating on our popcorn scale. Burnt popcorn means a movie is garbage. It is trash. Do not waste your time, no matter how free it is. Stale popcorn means it's not great. Don't pay a lot of money for it and don't expect a lot from it because you're bound to be disappointed by a lackluster movie. Microwave popcorn is fine. It's okay. It's it's might be really good for some people. It might not be very good for other people. It is right there in the middle. Your mileage may vary with microwave popcorn. Then we have movie theater popcorn, which is, hey, this movie's in the movie theater. You should go check it out in a movie theater when you get the opportunity to do so. It is worth a trip to the movie theater. And then perfect popcorn is go out and see this movie as soon as possible with with anyone you can. It's great do it right away. So David, what is your popcorn rating for Black Widow? I'm going to give this, you know, it was tough for me. I was between, I actually was close to giving it perfect popcorn, but I'm going to give it movie theater popcorn and a soda. Okay. And I, I just really enjoyed it. I think the cast is fantastic, which I think is, to me, what carries this movie. Um, not that the story's bad, but like, I just really enjoyed the characters that we had in this film. And, you know, it was fun to explore and, and get more of the history of, of Black Widow, which is funny to say because we've seen her for how many movies at this point? Iron Man and, 2, since, <laughs> yeah. since Iron Man 2. And so to feel like, you've gone through that many movies with someone yet you still don't really know much about them other than obviously 
you know, we know the comics and that kind of stuff. But within this world, this cinematic universe, we don't know necessarily what they're choosing to use from the comics and what background and all that kind of stuff. And so mm -hmm. to finally to get to explore that, it was really fun. And, you know, I just think it's, it's well done. Like it's, it's, the action is, is, is great. Um, it, but for me, like what pushes it to that near perfect popcorn level is, is the cast and the performances. And we'll get into that some more, but you know, David Harbour and, and Florence Pugh, especially for me, were just so much fun in this movie. Yeah. I'm going to, uh, I'm, you know what, I'm just going to do it and I'm going to just going to give it perfect popcorn because I was, I'm pretty much on the fence with you and I just don't want to do the same thing as you. <laughs> Like it's a movie's not without its flaws. It's not without its question marks. And those flaws can be anything from how certain characters are translated to the screen to certain questions that are left unanswered. But at the same time, like it's the start of phase four. And I'm not about to start grading a movie that I absolutely love negatively just because I'm impatient with possibly getting an answer in the future. You know what I mean? And so for that, like, again, Yes, you gotta be. Should I see the other Marvel movie? Yes, man, you should see the other Marvel movies before you go see Black Widow. But you should go see Black Widow. You should do definitely go see it on the biggest screen possible because it's awesome. It's 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 not just Marvel CGI explosions. There is a lot of non CGI stuff happening in this movie that is just really well done. Good action, like you said, great characters, great performances. And uh, yeah, perfect popcorn for me. So that means we got to talk about spoilers. And I have a couple of questions for you about spoilers. But before we do, we're going to take a quick little break. What's up, good movie buddies? Before we continue, I want to remind everyone that you can get free episodes of the Popcorn Diet delivered to you just by hitting the subscribe button or following us wherever you're listening from. So take a second, hit the button, give us a rating, write us a review, share us with the other good movie buddies out there. We also want to remind you to check us out on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash the popcorn diet and consider becoming a patron of this little independent movie podcast filled with love. Not only is it going to help us improve the podcast, keep the podcast going, but it's also going to give you exclusive patron-only access to things like early episodes, franchise refills episodes, and more. So check that out by going to patreon.com slash thepopcorndiet. Of course, we don't want you to forget that you can also follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, at thepopcorndiet. And last but certainly not least... You can find all of our latest regular episodes, articles, and more on our website, popcorndietpodcast.com. Let's get back to it. All right, David, we're back. We are unrestrained when it comes to spoilers. I am uh, going to give you a question. Whose Russian accent did you like the best? Oh. I would ask you to rank them, but I feel like that would be a lot of dead air time. Yeah, I'm going to go with David Harbour's. I, I mean, think, his, uh, his was the biggest. I think it had to do somewhat with it being the biggest. It fluctuates in its in how big it is <laughs> um, at different times. Like there's times where he's laying it on really thick and there's other times where you're like, did he just lose it or is it just not as, as thick? Um, but I think it also has to do with the delivery. Like everything... Like he's, 
he's throwing heaters in this movie. Like he's making the most of every opportunity. Like, you know, we, we both watch the, or listen to the rewatchables podcast and they have a, an overacting uh, category in there. Like he would definitely have to be (laughs) in the running for that in this, but that's the thing is like, sometimes like I love that person who you're like, he is just going for it. He or she is just going for it, fully embracing this role that they've been cast in. And, and so for me, it's, it's, it's definitely him. I loved, I love that Ray Winstone. I just love everything about Ray Winstone in this movie. And I know that's controversial. I know a lot of people are like, Dracov is kind of like a nothing burger of a person, but like my dude shows up in Cuba in the nineties wearing a tracksuit that is just dope as hell. And spends the entire movie floating in his space base, his his, his sky castle. <laughs> and he's just, I, I love the characterization of him because he's just very soft-spoken. He's very arrogant. I am in control. I am in control. I am in control. And he's like, just none of this matters and stuff like that. But then the second somebody challenges him, he starts flying off the handle. He starts raising his voice and throwing punches. And that accent really... It's it's questionable. It dives in and out, but I I I don't know, man. I love seeing Ray Winstone show up in things. I don't care. He's just oh, he's gonna be the bad guy in a Black Widow movie. Freaking awesome! Let's well, go. Well, here's the thing. You know, we're what? Are we 25 movies in? Was this the 25th or 24th? Uh, I think it's 24th. Okay, so we're 24-ish, 24 movies into this cinematic universe like we're gonna start running out of like big names to put in these movies you know no like not not that there's not an unlimited but you're gonna have that sect of actors that are you know turn their nose up and say i'm not doing a marvel movie type of thing so you're gonna eliminate a chunk of that crowd i'm so i'm so concerned we're not going to get Steven Dorff to be the villain in the Blade <laughs> remake again. And then you've got that segment that's DCU committed to some degree uh, that may we may be restricted from. We might not get your boy entering the MCU because of his Batman uh, obligations. No, no, no. It's always an opportunity. You tell me you tell me Affleck can't show up 10 years from now as like some fucking third rate villain like <laughs> i mean we got his we got his boy damon in it so it's true if, we did if we, can, if we can get damon into the universe then we can find a way to get affleck into there i believe it um but yeah, yeah. i mean i think uh you know it's fun to see because of that you know we've gotten so used to certain people always being the villains always being the bad guys i enjoy when we kind of get different faces and different big name actors you know and winstone's maybe not you know he's big to us most of the a lot of people on this podcast he may not be big to them but fair we we have we have we have an affinity for him but like he's definitely a that guy for a lot of people where it's like as soon as he shows up on screen like you recognize him to some degree even if you can't put a finger on what movie he was in like you recognize him and i think it's fun to see people like that in different roles and things like that and i love you know getting more creative and who are the bad guys and kind of going away from type like not just having like a legit like 
foreign, you know, Russian actor play that, you yeah. know, although, you know, are we going to get bounce back? Let's like go we do with everything. That's where, my next question. Yes. Where, why are we not <laughs> casting Russian people to play Russians? Like, why are we I'm, getting, <laughs> I'm real mad. I'm real mad that we got like, 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 like the dude, I don't even know where David Harbor's from, but like, you told me like Indiana, I would buy it. David Harbor. Where's this guy from? I got you. White Plains, New York. Playing yep. freaking Alexei <laughs> Why is there not an uproar, David? We want representation of uh, of Russians. There's plenty of of Russian and Eastern European born actors and actresses out there. It's true. Who could have gotten this opportunity? Um, and you know we get British we, people and Americans. We only got we only got one. Even from that that area of the world as a as a main character, which was uh, Olga Kurilenko, who yep. played the Taskmaster, who who played the gender swap Taskmaster. Yep, she's a Ukrainian French actress model, which is funny because we're going to get into the other discussion of you casting a model to play a maimed and disfigured character in a movie. Which... I don't know, man. I, I don't know how I like, again, I don't know how that works out, but like, <laughs> you mean to tell me we can't get, I just looked up a list of Russian actors. You mean to tell me we can't get Konstantin Lovroneko? You mean to tell me we can't get. You tell Ivan me what Konstantin was in. Drobenononovav. Or Oleg Stefan, I'm sure I'm half, I'm sure like half these guys are dead. Like they're all old black and white pictures, but I, I did have that thought. I, I did have that thought for sure. Um, Olga Kurlenko, uh, Bond, Bond girl. Mm. She was, she was Bond girl in uh, Quantum of Solace. Okay, that's right. And she was in, the hell was I would say there? I recognized her in the film, but I didn't. <laughs> well, I, again, because one, she had a helmet on most of the time, and two, when she took it off, she had a lot of makeup that made her not look like Olga. And again, I gave this movie perfect popcorn, okay? And I stand by it. I, it's insane to me that Olga Kurilenko is this gorgeous model, like you just said. And she doesn't even get any scenes where she's not disfigured. Like we don't mm -hmm. get a like she is disfigured as a child mm -hmm. who is played by a child. And so we don't even get like, a oh, let's let Olga Kirilenko look like Olga Kirilenko in a flashback scene. No, she is raw hamburger face for the whole of her appearance. Do you think she was confused when they cast her and then she found out? that she would never be like actually visible. Well, again, like uh, that leads me to another point. Be before I make this point, like Olga Kirilenko was a Bond girl. She was in Seven Psychopaths by our guy, Martin McDonough. She was, in, she was in Oblivion with Tom mm. Cruise. Like she was in Death of Stalin, which is an incredible satire. Yeah. And I mean, she was in Johnny English Strikes Again, if you want to get even more populous. Mm. But, like, how can you put Olga Karolinko underneath? <laughs> That's just crazy to me. That's wild to me. Well, the funny thing to me is how much 
I bet you she did her shooting in one day. Could have absolutely. Be, We're gonna because shoot she, you. she's not in the suit when they're doing all the stunts. No freaking like, way. No, no, no offense to Olga, but I don't think she's in the suit for the stunts. Maybe she, not for the stunt. Sure, not for the stunts, but maybe like I don't know about close-up shots or pickup shots. Like, what about those shots where like she's just standing in the cell, just like punching? Like, you think that's Olga? So, you think we got to contract Olga when we can get a stunt I, person for five percent? Yeah, I was going to say, I think you're saving money and uh, you're putting someone else in there. <laughs> but but so the thing is, is we're talking about this fairly, I mean, not unknown actress mm-hmm. who is cast as the character of Taskmaster, who is a guy in the comic books, not a guy here, mm-hmm. who lives. Everybody in this movie with the exception of poor Drakoff, is left alive. That's very interesting, David. Like, that leads me to a question of, are we going to get a Black Widow 2 that is going to be all Florence Pugh? Because you said she's showing up in Hawkeye. The Stinger, oh, the Stinger. We get freaking Valentina Allegra de Fontaine showing back up again. Julia Louis-Dreyfus as this yep. snarky, smart-ass version of uh, of Sam of Nick Fury and is like, hey, you want to kill the guy who killed your sister and shows Hawkeye, who has a Hawkeye TV show. So like you said, it's reasonable yeah. to assume that Florence Pugh is going to show up in the Hawkeye TV show. But Florence Pugh is, is a movie star, right? Well. And you don't have to assume it's already on her IMDb showing that she's in eight episodes. So spoiler of something that people haven't seen, whether it's whether she's actually in there, there could be flashbacks. You know, that's not to say she's going to make it the entire season or whatever the case may be. I'm personally thinking she's making the entire season, but regardless, we also don't even know. I don't know that we have the information yet on when the Hawkeye, miniseries fits into the timeline i don't know that we've been given that information so we don't know where it fits in the timeline i think it's safe to assume that it's after endgame but could there's there's no confirmation could be unless they want to give us a whole movie of hawkeye just hunting down and killing people sign me up a full series series. of (laughs) of just hawkeye being ronin yep like again hunting down japanese warlords like okay cool uh, but with that being said, to answer your question, I think it's another one of those. Let's wait and see. Like we have, we already have a plan for Florence Pugh and her character. And to your point, she's a movie star. And so like, let's execute what we have contractually obligated to. Sure. And then if she's all about it, and she's all for like continuing to portray this character, then sure. Like audience. I mean, I haven't read all the reviews or like broken it down to how, what people have thought of Florence Pugh, but I'm going to guess that she was pretty well received by people. Pretty universally praised. Usually it says it, usually it says it in the review section of the IMDB, but like, I haven't read a single thing. That's like, exactly. Florence Pugh is not good. She's almost universally agreed upon as being the best part of the movie. and those are the types of things that I feel like alter studios plans, not like we're going to change the story that we're telling, but there's plenty of history of studios being like, this person was supposed to be a one movie person, but then like everybody loved them. 
right. we have to find a way to get them back right. and involve them. Like I could easily see it happening. I don't think if you had to make me put odds on it, I would say there's better odds. We don't get a black widow two with Florence Pugh than we do. Interesting. Very interesting. I, I think that we're definitely getting a black widow two. I definitely think Florence Pugh has to take on that mantle in terms of like what it means to the Avengers. You know what I mean? Like she absolutely will. I think she'll be in movies, but I don't know that we're going to get just like we didn't get a black widow until after we have already killed off black widow. Right. I don't think her having her own standalone film is going or series is going to stand in the way for her to continue to be involved heavily in the next couple phases. I I feel like I screwed up. It's funny. You know, if you're listening this far, thank you. I feel like I could have made this point back when we were having the conversation about why it took this long to make this movie. But there is a not insignificant part of this that we're not talking about, which is that. And I'm not going to get into it, but I would encourage anybody listening to look up Ike Perlmutter who was a guy who had a a significant amount of creative control in Marvel, who was literally quoted as saying a female superhero movie will not make any money like that. Like he was, you want to talk about just locked in his old archaic ass. You know, you, you can call it whatever you want. You can call it misogynistic. You can call all of his behavior is pretty generally agreed upon as being terrible and a huge stone that was around Kevin Feige's neck that he shed away when he became chief creative officer. Yeah. That is not insignificant part of what took us so long to get this movie made. And that's one of the reasons why I think that there is a very real possibility of us getting another black widow movie and call it whatever you want. You know, you call it black widow of Yelena's of revenge. You call it black widow, put whatever, you know, you give it, you can do like you did with Iron Man and just call it two, three, four, if you want, or sure. you can give it a cool subtitle. None of which will ever be cool as in the multiverse of madness. That's just like, cool. You have now the best subtitle ever yep. uh, for Dr. Strange, but like, there's a lot of things left open. You know, there are still black widows all over the world who don't have a central sky base to take orders from anymore who still have this programming installed with them. Yep. And so I could certainly see somebody finding a way to tap into that and use the widows to their own nefarious means, maybe using them as like sleeper agents, maybe using them like people thought Zemo was going to use those extra winter soldiers or the yep. way even whiplash used hammers drones, you know, like yep. she now has this mission to free these women from, from their, mind control so i think that's interesting well but my thing is is the reason why i would stack the odds against it is one who's who's portraying her this isn't like this isn't like chris evans or chris hemsworth or even chris pratt to some degree when they first got into this universe like or even you could argue even uh robert downey even though robert downey was a known commodity he was trying to repair his career to some degree. Right. But I would argue Florence Pugh is at a higher level in her career now than either of those three guys were when they did their first movie. And that's, and that's why I'm saying, I think the odds are against them because 
I don't know that she's going to want to commit like they committed, like for the next decade of her life to sure. continue playing a character. Feige That's- also said that they're they're not doing those big like nine picture contracts anymore. Like they're being more versatile with their with their contracts. And you can see guys like Chris Evans. You can see guys like Hemsworth who are doing le- and they're not the only ones, you know, everybody's doing something right now. But they're they are able to go out and do these smaller projects that they want to do. And um, I have to think that, like, you just get if you can get stock in a in a super duper star this early, you know, you give them, you know, it's like (laughs) it's like getting Giannis's brother on the bucks. Like if we could do something to make you happy and keep you around, we're going to do it. You want to go and make this movie? Cool, 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 whatever. Well, but I think to some degree they're again, I think when you, when you only have so many stories to tell, mm-hmm. not that it wouldn't be interesting having her, you know, free all the widows and things like that. Like, I don't know that that's going to get people super excited unless it ties in to some degree to the greater, like, I don't think people are going to be interested in like a split off, like black widow born series where, you know, it's untangling the web of like this program that had gone on for so long. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I think there's an interesting story to tell there. Right. But Marvel only has so many stories they can tell at a time. Like we're already going through TV series. We're into this kind of otherworldly. And I still think there's not going to be anything done in these franchises that doesn't contribute to the bigger story that they're trying to tell sure for the next four like i don't think we're going to have like i think this was florence Pugh's origin movie like whereas like shang chi we're getting a true origin movie for him sure uh, and his character like this is i don't more this is more of a handoff like black widow guy or i'm sorry black panther guy in civil war kind of kind of yeah you know, and like, and like, here's the thing. I think what you're saying is true in a vacuum, but in reality, we're going to get Florence Pugh in television shows. We're going to get Florence Pugh showing up in other movies. We got Allegra de Fontaine floating around out there collecting all of these second gen uh, superheroes for something. Mm-hmm. So you know that's gonna happen. You know my yep. boy Wyatt Russell's getting gonna get some get some more screen time. You know Yelena's gonna get some more screen time, and like I I, th- I think you might be right in that if this was just the only movie series that existed, it might be a little bit harder. But it's not going to be. You know they're going to build up Yelena's character just like they did with all of these other characters and have them dip in and out and, and, and build up that so that she can be on her own solo adventure. And frankly, you know, you, you brought up a really interesting point, which is Matt Damon made what four born movies Mm -hmm. that are basically the same movie. I rewatched them earlier just to, just to, just to try and see the differentiation between them all, but they're the same movie. It is spy shenanigans. I'm trying to find the truth about my my you know my memory and who I am, and trying to stop this clandestine government program 
who's operating outside of their, you know, purview, right? Why couldn't you just make that into Yelena's Black Widow series? Because that's basically what she would be doing. You can have her go against a new, different, random Black Widow person every time. Like Matt Damon went up against like Clive Owen, yeah. and he went up against freaking like Oscar Isaac was in one of them. And like there was always like a that guy who was one of the I think Carl Urban was one of them. Like there was a that guy who was like the main assassin. Let's just bring in a murderer's row of of popular female stars. Let's just make Emma Stone one of the assassins one time. Let's get Margot Robbie in her, make one of her the assassins one time. Like I why, let's do it. Why not? Listen, listen, that all sounds great. I just don't think it's gonna happen. Like I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just fantasy pitching right now. A fantasy, absolutely. But like I said, I think the odds against it. But I also think, uh, you know, from this film, from watching it, I think it'll be interesting to see, like, a character like David Harbour because, again, while you could critique his his Russian accent, I think, you know, without going through all the reviews and the comments and things like that, I think he's one of the more memorable performances from from this movie yeah and you know i don't know that there was a plan to bring him back or not but you know the way people view it and the way people enjoy his character does that open the door for him to be back in some way like i don't think he's going to suddenly be you know part of the crew but it wouldn't surprise me if because of how much people enjoyed him and found him hilarious that he's not unlike uh taika's character from ragnarok Mm -hmm. um what is it korg korg who just showed up in a in a video with deadpool to as at the day of this recording yeah and so like i could easily see it like i don't know maybe they had plans for korg to continue to be around long term you know maybe as you know anything taika's you know, something to keep Taika involved to some degree. Sure. But I also feel like to some degree, it wouldn't surprise me if it was a pivot to like, people love Korg, like, yeah, we can work him into in- <laughs> Infinity War or Endgame and have him be like who Thor's rooming with. Like, that's an easy <laughs> way to work him in there. Like, it's not like you have, it severely shifts the the story or anything. So like, it wouldn't surprise me if like, he just randomly shows up for, two minutes of a film and just plays kind of a comedic role to some degree. It's true. It'll be really interesting to see. I was just more interested in anything because like we saw in the Shang-Chi trailer, like they're bringing an abomination back. Yeah. You know, like they in, in civil war, they brought back William Hurt as Thunderbolt Ross. Like it's, it's fun to think about these little breadcrumbs that are left out in the universe, these little toys that and characters toys is a little weird, but like these characters that we can pull back into play with anytime we want. That's exciting yeah. because it's most of the movie, you know, it's most of the cast taskmaster is still alive. Red guardian is still alive. Rachel Vice's character is still alive. Elena, obviously, you know, like there's some really interesting possibilities. I'll tell you what though, man, this might be my last question before we wrap it up here. My biggest gripe of the movie, and I think a lot of people's gripe of the movie, is the movie ends with the huge space, not space, sky station. I love how Russian just has knockoffs of everything. 
Like Russia has knockoff Captain America. They have Russia knockoff Quinjets. They have Russia knockoff helicarriers. Like that's basically what all of those were. Is they were just those shitty Russian versions of all of the things we've seen with Shield. But when they they crash that whole big sob down, and it ends with the widows leaving, with Taskmaster who's been like uh, unbrainwashed, and Red Guardian and Yelena and all of them. Yelena gives her her vest which you see her wearing in Infinity War. Mm-hmm. But then we see General Ross's squad roll up. And two weeks later, it cuts to two weeks later. She's got new hair. She's got her vest. She suddenly got enough money to have Mason get her a Quinjet. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've seen a lot of people say, like, this is a huge plot hole. What the hell? And it might be. It might be a bad plot hole, but to me, there's too much like these these Marvel movies are so sharp. These things just don't just happen in Marvel movies. If there is any question left to it, it's it's on purpose and they'll decide whether or not they want to answer it and when they want to answer it. But it certainly seemed like Thunderbolt Ross maybe had something maybe to do with Captain America getting a little bit of help. I don't know. Yeah, well. Yeah, I mean, it. it's one thing. Are we going to explore Thunderbolt Ross a little bit more? We haven't seen him a whole lot. You know, we obviously know where his intentions were and where he stood back in the day. But we also know how much he clashed with Tony Stark to some degree. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it, it's not it's not out of the question. And there's still you know, opportunities to fill that in. But to me, I don't know. I didn't, as I was sitting there, I didn't think like, oh, how'd she get all this money? Like, listen, if you're going to go through all the times where it's like how they afford this, like you can do that constantly throughout all of this. And a lot of it's just assumed like, oh, Tony Stark's a billionaire or a trillionaire. Like there is no, there is no limit to his funds or Wakanda has, vibranium like there's no limit to their funds or you know all that kind of stuff and it's like that's what you pick out like we just put repiece together a a person into the taskmaster and we just had fights on a space station that's falling apart and you want to ask how they afford a quinjet like sorry i'm i'm not gonna okay (laughs) i'm not gonna get too wrapped up in that i know but 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 other than that, it's a plot hole, right? If, 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 I, if I don't ask that question, it's a gaping plot hole. Why does the, the scene end with General Ross rolling up to lock her up and two, we, two mysterious weeks later, it winds up she is going, she is now able to head off to go find Rogers, help break everybody out of the raft. So we know she's there at the end of Civil War. When when Rogers is in the raft, we know Black Widow's there. Mm-hmm. And how did that happen? How did she get from literally standing there and being like, I'm waiting for General Ross to come get me to now like we are the secret Avengers. We are not on anybody's page. We are acting on our own. That's my that's my question. It's not how did they get money for a Quinjet? I'm only using that as evidence, as the possibility <laughs> that there may be more to talk about there. Sure. You know? 
Sure. And they, and they may explore it um, or they might not. And you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for me, like I said, I didn't walk out of it being like, I got to know how, like, show me the receipts. I need a mini series that shows me these two weeks. Like show me, give me I wanna, two weeks, real time, wanna, one wanna, hour out of every day. Like if they want to, they can do what they did, uh, which I wish they would get back to and do those shorts again, where we had like Colson, like the one shots. Yeah, the one shots. I love those. I would love if they started doing that again. Those um, were awesome, man. And they and they evolved into the MCU shows. Yeah. Like frankly, uh they they took the idea of these one shots because some of them were really good and some of them were okay. And some of them were just like, Hey, we really like Phil Colson. Let's put him in a couple of these where like he's sitting at a freaking diner. Um, but that's kind of like they were these just little like you said, I do think like the stuff that we are getting from the MCU, the fact that we're getting movies and we're getting television shows and we're getting the supplemental materials, right? If you haven't watched, not you, David, but obviously our listeners, if you haven't checked out the, the Marvel Legends on Disney Plus yet, those are amazing little like six to ten minute refreshers on these characters that are coming back again. That's genius to me where you can literally see this entire character's journey through the movies without having to watch all the movies again. That's incredible. Um, But like, yeah, let's get some more one shots in there. Let's get some more like, give me like a Yule log, but have it be like Dr. Strange's sanctum. And it's like the freaking, you know, his cloak. Or something like I'm you see the stuff they're doing for Star Wars on there. They're doing like they're doing like spaceship walkthroughs and they have this whole cool thing where it's like you're going to visit the planets and it's all just music and like ambiance and it's dope. So it's like, all right, give me like a 10 minute like Wakanda streets, Wakanda mood thing on Disney Plus. It's just cool, man. I, I do agree. Like there is definitely some room left in the world for those one shots to come back. I would love to see them come back. Yeah, it would be awesome. Just like, again, five little 10 minute, five, 10 minutes short, little short films for like, you mean to tell me you wouldn't watch like five minutes of Wong, like re, you know, cleaning up the library after like a battle? I would. And like he loses a book and it's like Wong's wacky adventure of trying to find this book again. Now I'm just now I'm just fantasy pitching Marvel one shots. So that's right. probably <laughs> that's probably a, a good place to end it because we could be here for a long time where we just come up with our own versions of of what we'd like to see from Marvel one shots. Uh, so before we go, I want to remind you all again that you can get free episodes of the popcorn diet wherever you listen to podcasts. So just hit that subscribe button, hit that follow button, take a second, hit the button. Give us a rating, write us a review, share us with your other good movie buddies out there. Also, don't forget to check us out on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash the popcorn diet and consider becoming a good movie buddy and a patron of an independent film podcast when film desperately needs all the support that it can get. That's patreon.com slash the popcorn diet. Of course, we don't want you to forget that you can also follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram at the popcorn diet. And last but certainly not least, you can find all of our latest regular episodes, articles, reviews, and more on our website, popcorndietpodcast.com. But for the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn, I am your very best good movie buddy, Rick Williamson, and we'll see you next time with another good movie on the Popcorn Diet. Adios.